Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to Diving Deep with Sam Fukar. Today we're interviewing... Matt Wilson, Australian swimmer, world champion, Commonwealth Games medalist, and former world record holder as well, all at the age of 24. Matt, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. What an intro. <laughs> well, you've done some stuff over the years and you just come from training this morning. How, how was training this morning? Yeah, this morning, pretty low key this morning. Uh, 5K, pretty aerobic. I just did my own little thing this morning. All the other boys had a bit of speed. I had my my hard session last night, so I was a bit tired. I needed a bit of a uh, bit of recovery. Got that done, and then I had a little dry land circuit involving a few uh, the bikes, the med balls, battle ropes, kettlebells. Nothing too hard, but you know I, I'm going to need a nap when I get home. <laughs> a lot of cardio because you, you're swimming in the pool, and then I see you guys out on the side doing more cardio. Is mm. that most of your training? Yeah, I would say. Over half is aerobic or cardio, where we're kind of swimming at that low end, 60 to 75% heart rate, um, build up that aerobic base. So, you know, for an event like mine where I'm swimming 200 meters and I got to be going flat stick that whole time, I need that aerobic base behind me so I don't, you know, fade towards the back end of a race. So, yeah, like I said, over half our sessions are aerobic or um like cardio based just so i don't fade yeah i saw the other day just on the the side of the diving pool they had an ipad with everyone's heart rates on it mm. do they actually track that and stay on top yeah yeah so we have our physiologist she collects all that data and then finds like our optimal heart rate zones throughout the year we have um the little polar sensors chuck them in under your cap on like your temple or you can put them on the back of your head or wherever really and that just tracks your heart rate throughout the session and you know with the ipad we put it up on the tv you can get like the percentages and the number like your heart rate and all that stuff and yeah we kind of just track that through the session as well that's incredible i've noticed and swiss using like all different technologies even ones that weren't there when i started Mm. is that a fairly new one or something i've had for a while so we have gone through a few different ones. Um, they've gotten smaller over the years, thankfully. We used to have this big fat one you used to put at the back of your cap and it was just the worst. It was so uncomfortable. But our physiologist, our old physiologist was like, no, you got to wear them. Like, <laughs> please wear them. I need to track this. And we're like, oh, this sucks. This is <laughs> so uncomfortable. But now they've, they, they get better, you know, 
with better technology. So they're smaller, much more comfortable, much more accurate as well. Yeah. Those, those um, like technologies they implement in diving, we use the force plates where they try mm. and measure how high we jump or one day they even strapped this sensor on my back when I was sending one of my yeah. hardest dives to front four and a half to calculate how many degrees I was spinning around. Yeah, that's great. It's very makeshift. They just like <laughs> strap it around you. Is that the same as yours? You literally just shove it in. Yeah, yeah. Thing literally and just go. shove it in. Um, that's pretty much... Oh, we, we do... We use some cables and stuff like that to measure kind of speed and force when we're swimming. But that's only every now and then this is something we use every day every session and it's like it's good like you can get into the right zone that you need to be in someone like myself i sometimes get a bit carried away and i go a bit too hard and a bit too fast and then i'm sitting up at 80 80 to 90 percent and you're like all right you got to chill a little bit and I'm like, all right i'll go back down to 70 and that's where i need to be for the session that's incredible and how do they know from your heartbeat what percentage you're putting out? Yeah, so they go off your max heart rate or the heart, the max heart rate that you've ever recorded. So for mine, it was like 198 or something. And then they just go 80% of that is whatever. Yeah. And that's like threshold. And then you go 70% is like aerobic 60 percent is easy and so forth and yeah it's all based off your max heart rate essentially how, how do you get the max heart rate where do you what, what do you do for that for me it would be something like thresholding so like i'm doing hundreds or 200s on really short rest and really fast that gets my heart rate up super quick and that's where most people would get their max i would say okay and then they take that number and then use that in training to see what percentage you should be putting out to get the correct workout. Yeah, exactly. So once you've got that number, everything else is based off that. That's incredible. I, I thought it was just a slight tool you use sometimes, but actually a significant mm. amount of your training is based around those numbers. Yeah, a lot of our training is based around our heart rate and a lot of our aerobic work is based around our heart rate. So like on a Monday morning, I don't want to be over... 80, 85% because I'm in the wrong zone for training. So yeah, it, it kind of, it changes the session based on your heart rate. When you look at the week's training program then, or you see what you have coming up, can you kind of tell how fatigued you're going to be because you know what levels you're going to be training at? Yeah. So our weeks are generally pretty like set like we know what we're doing each day so like a monday morning is aerobic monday afternoon is uh speed tuesday aerobic again and so forth and yeah like with that stuff you can kind of tell how fatigued you're going to be after it's mainly after a um like a quality session that you're going to be majorly fatigued in those aerobic sessions if you What's an aerobic session just for someone? Yeah, to yeah. So aerobic session is like like myself. It's <laughs> like five to seven k, and you just kind of continuously swimming. Like it's like that's the easiest way to explain it. And you sit at about seventy percent heart rate, seventy to eighty percent of your max heart rate, and you just keep going. Like it's I, I would generally do it 
freestyle the whole way as well as a breaststroker like my quality sets a breaststroke and that's pretty much the only time i would do breaststroke everything else is freestyle and yeah you just swim you just follow that black line up and down yeah (laughs) just keep swimming yeah just keep swimming and then when you're coming into a major event because i know we're diving we can miss a lot of dives when we're in a like a heavy training phase Mm. and the closer we get to comp the more consistent and small our margins of error are yeah when you're coming into a competition for swimming what are those signs that things are really coming together yeah for me i think it's like you get that feeling of being really on top of the water really high up in the water and when you feel like that and you're like skipping across the water essentially it's like all right i'm on like i'm ready to go mm-hmm. and we've usually got like a two-week kind of taper block where our load comes down significantly and when that happens and you start feeling like you're skipping on top of the water you're like yeah like this is this is a good feeling the tapers are a great thing when it's done well like i know when i'm going through such a slog and then it's taken away and things feel great it's like oh yeah like i knew it I knew that was going to happen, but a lot of the time when you're in like that heavy slog, when things just feel terrible, but you got to get through it, Mm. a part of you kind of forgets it's going to get easier. Yeah. Like, especially in that early, early block where, Mm. you know, you might've had a break and you're coming back in and you're just like, why am I doing this to myself? (laughs) (laughs) Like, like, holy crap. Like I am in the walls right now. And the first two weeks, I find you got that like motivation. You've just come back, mm, yeah, and then you get that motivation hit and the fatigue. Yeah, like I feel, yeah, same thing. Like the first two weeks, it's just like, yeah, this isn't too bad, and then it really ramps up. Like the fatigue hits you, and like for us, the K's go up significantly. Like the first couple of weeks, you're swimming two, three K, which is for us not not too far, yeah, at all. And then after that two weeks, it just bumps up and the fatigue bumps up and you're like, holy crap, <laughs> I might die here. <laughs> yeah. And especially what you're saying when you finish training really late, like you're so hungry. I Like food is so important. Mm. Like what do you what do you do to try to make sure you're eating right? But then I also find cooking really hard when I'm so tired from training. Like yeah. what, what do you do for that? Yeah, like the motivation when you get back after an afternoon session and you're like i just can't be bothered yeah uh meal prepping is the easiest one to do like you know you got your pastas like your spag bowls and stuff that are pretty easy to just meal prep and you can have them if you get home late just warm them up in the microwave i enjoy cooking personally Mm. so like i'll use the slow cooker um do like pulled pork and okay stuff. Like, yeah right. i love the slow cooker i love the slow cooker no air fryers i've got an air fryer okay. um that's more for like you know you can do like potatoes and stuff in the air fryer and chicken and whatnot it's all pretty easy but i do like the uh put the slow cooker on at like midday yep. and just let it go and like if i get home late at like say i don't know seven thirty or something when i would usually have dinner like it's ready when i get home so I don't have to do anything except for get my bowl out, get some rice or whatever. Done. It's easy. Good on you. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like a lot, of, a lot of athletes can be really lazy with the cooking. That sounds quite... Yeah. I don't quite know. Well, I just really enjoy... Like, it's quite therapeutic for me, cooking. 
as long as no one's in the kitchen with me, like okay. get, a, get out of my space. Yeah. <laughs> but like I really enjoy kind of creating new things or just finding recipes because I'm in a, on Facebook, I'm in like the slow cooker group. and like, oh, the, yeah. yeah. So just to find new things and people put up stuff all the time. And I just like, like that kind of sounds really cool. That sounds tasty. Like I give it a go. All within reason though, you know, like I've still got, I've got to get my my weight right i've got to get my mm. my body composition right so i'm not going stupid and like doing disgustingly high calorie <laughs> meals every day yeah this is like i do a one-off every couple of weeks or whatever yep yeah and you can put that in your meal preps and yeah yeah it, yeah that's a good thing with the slow cooker too is like you can make such big portions that you have lunches and dinners for the next week uh-huh. so it's awesome that does sound like a little hack. Yeah. <laughs> you can just, yeah. Like with the pulled pork, I get like a like a two kilo leg or whatever. And I only eat 200 grams on the night or whatever. And then I've got 1.8 kilos for the rest of like the next week and a half. Little hack. Yeah. Do you guys <laughs> see the dietitians much uh, at the institutes? Because mm. we have like, they come and talk to us here and there and check in and make sure you have a general gist of like good nutrition but i don't have a strict eating regime do you guys yeah well we do we um we do have a dietitian at n swiss that we see quite regularly or some of us see quite regularly i have been seeing one and i've been doing this thing where i because i came in from my break like eight kilos overweight or whatever i was had a bit of an extended break I'm doing this diet at the moment where I'm just in a calorie deficit and that's trying to drop weight fairly fast. I'm at, I'm at the end of it now. So I've dropped six kilos in five weeks or six weeks or something. Wow. Good on you. Yeah. So like it, it makes you tired, makes you feel like crap some days, but it was just like a quick drop so I could get to my close to my race weight and I could train at that and get some better training. So I'm not training seven kilos overweight and risking shoulder injuries and whatnot. Mm. So like we work with a the dietitian there to set that plan out and we kind of review it each week. Like she's just kind of walks around the gym and we say, how's it going? It's going good, going bad. I need to make a shift here or there. And then, then we go on my way. Um, we probably have a bigger meeting once a month where we, actually sit down in her office and we really talk through it uh but yeah in terms of like during the year otherwise it's it's not too strict like you've got some flexibility there where you can kind of choose what you want like if you want chicken beef whatever yeah uh it's more the portion sizing that they kind of measure out for you yeah and you just go off that okay so they you use them throughout the year but more intentionally when you've got a goal you're trying to reach and yeah and yeah so that goal swimming condition yeah that like goal if you want to hit a goal quick then you get a bit stricter on your on your plan if you have a goal and you've got six months to get that goal it's uh it's a bit looser in terms of like yeah. what you what you eat and stuff like that and then with with your your swimming back to i want to ask you about when you became a world champion. Yeah. What was it like coming into that event? Like, was training good? Did you feel good? Did you think you were going to win? 
Yeah, so we won the uh, the four by one mixed medley relay. We won by point oh two or something. Kate Campbell, absolute legendary relay swimmer, absolutely clutch swim. As when she dove in the water, we were about maybe a second behind America. Wow! And I was so confident that she was swimming down the American. Like I was like, we're gonna win here. Yeah. When she got in the water, I was like, we're gonna win. Before that, like, yeah, I felt I had a really, really good prep leading into that world champs. Um, I just, oh, mate, might have been after my, no, sorry, my 200 breast was after this. Um, I had a 100 breast before that and I went big PB, um, like a 59 low for my 100 breaststroke. So yeah. I dropped maybe half a second off my PB. Made the semi-final. I came tenth in that a very fast, like to make the final that year, which was a bit unfortunate for me because any other year, like I make the final, but this year was really fast. And then I had swum the medley relay the next day, and I just I dropped another second off a of fly start. So like in a relay, you generally go quicker because you you swing your arms over and you get a bit more boost off the block so you generally swim faster than you would by like about half a second usually and you can't do that little arm swing in no the, no the if you could do that arm swing i'd be doing it all the time because i'm <laughs> i'm really good at it okay but so yeah i swam about a second faster than i did the day before and i felt really good i was like yeah i'm, I'm swimming awesome here yeah and then the rest of the like i was in a team with Mitch Larkin, world champion, Olympic finalist. Uh, Emma McKeon, greatest Olympian of all time. And Kate Campbell. Yeah. That's a stacked relay. Yeah. And that was like so awesome to be a part of. And in the marshalling room, I remember as well, like I, I, I generally try to pump myself up. I go a bit quiet sometimes. I try, I try to talk to people, but like if I get really nervous, I'll just shut myself off. Yeah. I remember Kate coming over to me and she's just like, hey, just enjoy it. Just have, just smile, just enjoy it. And I was like, all right, like <laughs> I got to chill a little bit. And then, yeah, that like really helped me leading out into, we were in lane, oh, we were in one of the middle lanes, but yeah, kind of just relaxed me a little bit before I got out there. So yeah, that was really cool to be a part of. And I was pretty stoked when Kate got on the wall there, like, world champion like wow world championship team so cool yeah and being part of that what was the energy like walking out before you did that race yes like a lot of the uh the athletes were getting really behind um like our relays and stuff because it was the last event of the day generally like everyone's there everyone's watching so everyone who's already swum is either in the warm-up pool or they've gone back up to the stands to watch and like all the clappers and stuff and then the other side so this was in south korea what's a clapper uh you know the little inflatable clappers oh, that they, sorry, yeah, clappers. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. there was like a tight at, like at the, in swimming yeah. uh, like the um <laughs> like they have at the cricket yeah, that yeah, stuff yeah, yeah so like a lot of the athletes had that stuff and then on the other side was like the south korean spectators and they generally had that side pretty packed out as well so it was a full stadium almost and like that's pretty good like having a full stadium of people cheering yeah and they were like kind of like 
neutral fans as well. I don't think South Korea were in that final, so they were just cheering on good swimming. So they got behind each team, and each team that came out was a loud roar, and you know, he got the intro song, and you walk the door that we walked through. So it, it was an LED screen, and half the screen came back, and then you walked out. And that was pretty like cool technology just to walk out there. And they had the flag drop down in your name and all that stuff. And it just adds to the atmosphere. And it was just such a cool experience to be a part of. And in that moment, did you feel, well, I got this, I, this is us? Or were there nerves in there too? Was there doubt? Or was that, were you feeling really confident on that? On that I, because I can only do like, what, well, like my race. So I was, I was really confident that I could perform obviously i was nervous because i was in a relay with these three like unreal generational swimmers like i was like i don't want to let them down like i i don't want to mess this up for them because i knew they would they would lift like they've lifted in multiple races over multiple different years and multiple different events so i was like all right I got to lift for this team. Like I got to have an all time swim here. And luckily for me, like it was my best feeling hundred breaststroke I've ever done. Yeah. It was, it was awesome. Awesome feeling to be that good. And I was, you know, like I was, like I was confident that the other guys were going to lift and yeah, obviously they did. And you said you became world champion. Yeah. That was, there's a video of me. <laughs> so it was Mitch and I we were watching Kate come in and I see the result and I'm like, I'm fist pumping, I'm yeah. flexing, I'm cheering. Yeah. And Mitch, he can't see the board. He needs glasses. So he's like <laughs> looking out there. He's got no idea what's yeah. going on. Yeah. I think he realized pretty quick when I, I went over and <laughs> hugged him. And then Emma, I remember Emma coming around. She just got out of the pool and was coming back around. And she was like, like, yeah. what? We, what? We did it. Like, yeah. I was like, oh, cool. So cool. So happy. Yeah, that would be awesome. Those moments, they make, they make training worth it, eh? Yeah, for sure. Like it's hours and hours for us looking at a black line and a lot of like sweat and pain and all that for like a couple min- couple minutes. But those couple minutes are like so worth it. Yeah. For sure. I feel like those, I'm not, I'm not a world champion, but for those moments when things do come together, mm-hmm. it's not even just about like that moment. It's also about knowing that you had to become the person that could be able to do that. It yeah. could be able to swim that fast, to be able to lift when you need to. Yeah. To to even put yourself in the team to win. Yeah. Like there's so many steps before it. Yeah. There's so much. And I, I don't see it as sacrifice. It's more investment for me. Like it's something I've wanted to do since I can like remember. You were, like, you've raced first at nine, nine years old? Yeah. My first like country champs or whatever would have been when I was nine. I think I started doing like squads when I was eight yep. or so. Um, I did learn to swim and all that before because my parents got a pool in the backyard and they wanted my sister and I to learn how to swim. And you grew up in Penrith? In the Blue Mountains. Blue Mountains. Out at, um, so near Penrith. I was born out in Penrith. Uh, I lived out at Falkenbridge. So if anyone listening knows the Blue Mountains, it's near Springwood High School. Yep. which is where I grew up out in like kind of, it felt, it felt country. It's not really country, but it, like it felt really country where I grew up kind of back on to um, bushland and stuff like that. 
but yeah, my parents had a pool, so we learned how to swim, and I kind of just went from there and just went up through the levels there at Springwood. Yeah, and then you went to the the Junior World Championships. What what was the first somewhat major success personally where you're like, you know, like this is this could be me, this could be mm. I could be really good at this. Yeah, so I think like I medaled at like a state champs when I was. 12 or something and i was like oh like like maybe i can keep going with this and then i went to a national champs when i was 13 up in brisbane and i got i think i got two silvers and a bronze up at like the age championships i was in an age group with kyle chalmers so gold medals were just off the table (laughs) (laughs) no no one else got gold medals uh and then, yeah, at that point, I was like, all right, maybe I can get, like, a bit more serious with this. Like, I was doing maybe once a day, not even that at that point. And then after that, I kind of bumped up each year. Like, when I was 13, I was doing six, 14, seven, so forth, so forth. And then I made my first, like, junior team. It was like a little invitational squad. And people, Kyle Chalmers was on that team, Zach Stubbley Cook, you know, a couple of Olympic champions on that yeah. team. And we went and raced in Japan at their, like, their junior nationals. And there I just, I dropped massive time. I was 14. Like, generally, when you're young, you drop lots of time. But, like, I made a big drop and I won a few medals there. And I was like, all right, this is what I want to do. I want to keep doing this. Like, I want to keep traveling around the world, mm. racing the best people that there are. And I want to keep competing for medals. Yeah. Like, that's what I want to do. And yeah, I kind of just carried that motivation with me through the last, that was 11, 11 years ago, 10 years ago now. Yeah. Like, so long ago. But yeah, that motivation stuck with me. It's such a incredible thing to travel with the team around the world competing against the best yeah it's it's awesome hey it's just like you know when when you retire you're gonna look back on this stuff and be like that was pretty cool like i i did that and i matched it with the best in the world and like yeah nothing i don't think anything comes close to that really I guess sometimes hard when you're in it too because it just becomes your daily routine. Like you're around, Mm. you look left, there's an Olympic champion, like right, there's a world champion. You're a world champion yourself. Mm. And I know at training as well, there's so many high achievers that it it kind of becomes somewhat of the norm to be the best or try to be the best because everyone around you is. Yeah, for sure. And like you forget that, like like you forget and get numb to that. Like you, like you said, it becomes just an everyday thing. And if you're not careful, like it, it starts to feel like a job. Like it's not, what we do is, you know, technically our job, but it's yeah. not really a job. Like you're not working a nine to five day. Yeah. You're going out and you're, you're doing sport. Yeah. Like that's awesome. You don't think about it as a job because then you get into this lull where everything becomes an effort and it's just like, you know, you don't want to be there sometimes like you get into that mindset so i don't i try to not think of it as a job it's like it's more of a hobby that i do it's a hobby and it's something i enjoy doing 
and like you said, um, I'm, I'm with people who are trying to be the best in the world mm. and we should, you know, enjoy that experience, enjoy the grind that we're in. And sometimes you forget that as well. Like you forget like the grind sometimes not enjoyable, but you've got your best mates around you mm-hmm. and like the people that are going through this with you. And like that should make everything just a little bit easier. You know, yeah. make it's not not a chore. You're with your mates. Yeah, you're playing sport. It's- I try to remind myself of that as well when yeah, things are really difficult in training. Just that I am also grateful to even have the opportunity and mm. have a place to work hard. I remember a lot of my really good friends have retired from diving. Yeah, but when they were there. It was sometimes it just just get me out of bed in the morning. Be like, oh, I'll just get through training, grab a coffee with my friend. It'll yeah, be, it'll be all good. Yeah, well, like even after we we swim, like we can go get breakfast just down the road. Yeah, like, getting breakfast with like your teammates is I can like the number one. Thing yeah, yeah. <laughs> we used to do it on a Saturday. Yeah, um, with some of the like these guys have retired now. This is a few years ago. Just like the Gloria Jeans, mm. you know, Olympic Park. Just go down there every now and then. Um. That the, these guys used to do it weekly. I used to drive back to the Blue Mountain sometimes, but you know, stuff like that. Like, who gets to do that at work? Like, on a, no one. Mm. Like, people will be sitting at their desk working nine to five. We swim for a couple of hours and we go eat breakfast yeah. together. Like, who gets to do that? Yeah, it is. It is a privilege to to try and represent your country and some. It, it is a different stress though and pressure like I find when I'm training you put so much pressure on yourself because you care and because mm. you want it and you want to look after your team and like you mentioned before when when you're in the relay and it's not even just nurse for yourself but you don't let your teammate down yeah we feel that in synchro when we dive with someone else it's, yeah yes you want to dive well and perform well but mainly you want to look after your mate who's yeah with you. you don't want to upset or you don't want to let down yeah the other like the other guy on your team we generally like quite a quite an individual sport for the most part relays are like that exception and you know like it's like the pressure amps up so much just because there's other people on that team and you don't want to let them down like yeah it's crazy and i remember the, the best person i've ever seen live up to that um that pressure in a relay is Kyle Chalmers. He is the most dedicated person to the team I've ever met. Like we would die for a relay. Like, he will never let you down as well, which is, you know, you're always so confident going to a relay with him because he's always gonna lift and he's always gonna he's always that last leg. And he's you just know he's gonna swim people down. Yeah. Like it's the best feeling having him in a team and he brings everyone up as well. Like he, he lifts everyone's spirits. He lifts everyone's performance because everyone wants to, to lift for him because he's, you know, he's lifting and doing all these great, amazing things. And you don't want to let him down because he's sacrificed so much to get there. And he's, you know, he, like, like I said, he would die for that relay and you, you want to make him kind of proud, I guess, you know, you, yeah. you want him to recognize that like you're also going to die for that relay. You're also going to commit 110% to that relay. God, what, what does, is it his, his attitude? Is it you see him sacrifice in training 
What does he he do that particularly shows that conviction to the team? Yeah, I think. Well, a he says it all the time. Okay, <laughs> he, what's he, he say? He's just like, I like I will die for this real. Like I am yeah. so like pumped for this real. I'm yeah. gonna lift blah, 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 all that stuff. I like, believe in that. Like, if you you got to talk it out, like you you got to tell people like yeah yeah. This. He and he walks the walk, talks the talk. Like mm. whatever he says, he's gonna do. Yeah. Like he's an unreal athlete. But you just see, like, he just, like, in the marshalling area, you know, he's getting around all the boys and he's just like, come on, let's go. Like, we've got this. We're, we're going for a win, blah, blah, all that stuff. Like, and you just like, you're like, yeah, like, all right, let's, let's go. I'm going to die for this damn relay. Let's like, do it. Yeah, let's go. No, I'm getting G'd up. Yeah, he, like he's the best relay swimmer to be in team with. It's interesting to hear because some people, when they go into an event, they don't want to talk about getting a medal. They don't want to mm. talk about we could win because it's kind of, oh, maybe I jinx it. Maybe if I say this, where I feel like you've you got to be confident. Is, is that mm. his approach? Just like sheer confidence, we're going to do it. Yeah, like for sure. He he never shies away from that. Mm. Um, and I feel like he's he's been on teams for so long and he's grown into that like mantra where he's like, I'm the best. I'm going to win. Like no one's going to stop me here. Whereas when he was probably a bit younger, he he was a bit he shied away from that. He was a bit more, you know, reserved and he wouldn't say that stuff out. Like, but now it's just like, yeah, like I've got this. We've got this. Like this team has got this. Yeah. And that like I said, that just brings everyone up and everyone's like, let's let's go. Let's <laughs> we're ready. Even say so, I remember in Birmingham at the commies cuz Swimming is always typically before diving. Yeah. And you guys always finish. And yeah, we're first week. Yeah. I'm very grateful for that. Oh, <laughs> I'm kind of jealous because you guys are done like making noise, celebrating. I'm like trying to sleep. Because yeah. <laughs> oh, the whole building was like a circle. Yeah. Everyone was like in the center. In, after on the, the grass. Race. Yeah. We got kicked out from there. We, <laughs> we, we had to go down to the, you know, the, um, on the way down to the dining hall. Yep. Can and I the, say, I think the English team put us on top of this hill strategically. So we had to walk further. Yeah. Everyone uh, got sore. Yeah. Um, we, we got the um, staff to take us around on the, the, the golf buggies. Yep. We were just like, we're not walking. <laughs> we're not doing that. Like, I'm not, I'm not walking back uphill. Like, I walked downhill fine. Yeah. It's fine. But like, on the way up, I'm like, I'm just not doing that. Yeah. Take me up. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. So they had the dining hall and all the facilities down this massive hill. And you had to go down there for like breakfast, lunch, mm. and dinner. And this hill was like probably a few hundred meters. Yeah. Couple, and it was steep. Yeah. Like, going up was the worst because like you said, it's steep and you're just like fatiguing walking up the yeah. hill. And that's why we were just like, we'll just wait for one of these staff members <laughs> to come around. We'll jump on the back. And they were happy like to take us up there. And we could fit six people in there or whatever. So... Like that was an easy solution. Walking down was fine for us. Like, you know, it's all downhill. Gravity's doing the work. But yeah, I reckon you're onto something. I think they uh I think the British team stitched us up. I think they did too. I I actually <laughs> have no doubt they did. <laughs> um and then because you, you won the Commonwealth Games actually back in Goldie. Yeah. Te- I technically just down on that one. And I was I was devastated because that was a that was a home games. Yeah. What was the experience like in Gold Coast? Because from everyone I've heard, they said that was the best games. Yeah. And what was it like winning in front of a home crowd? Yeah. For um, twenty eighteen, the the village itself 
was the best I have ever been at in terms of like I've been to we went to Tokyo hmm. obviously COVID kind of hampered that a little bit but even without COVID I reckon Gold Coast would have just trumped that wow. way better than Birmingham because I mean the accommodation at Birmingham wasn't bad like we were in those uni blocks yeah. I thought it was nice it, I had my own room yeah I, some of the girls the swimming girls got um they got their updated rooms and the guys got the the older ones. Bit <laughs> What's of a, going on there? Bit of a stitch yeah. up, but uh, they had nicer bathrooms and stuff. I think that was the main reason behind that. But yeah, Gold Coast trumped that as well. And then like, I've been a world chance. We stay, stayed at hotels and stuff. So it was all pretty confined. The Gold Coast Village was just, it had everything. Like there was a puppy petting zoo out there. What? Yeah, just for like... <laughs> Like stress relief? Uh, yeah, I think that's what it was. They had like these little puppies and stuff and all the girls were out there. I would have been out there if I knew that it was there. <laughs> I didn't know where to find it. Oh, damn it. And they, the dining hall was great. Like the food there was awesome. Uh, they, they had a little performances out in front of the dining hall all the time. They had just people dancing. It was like a festival in there. And... The, the stadium was packed out every night. I mean, that was so much noise. And like when you walked out there, it was just like vibrating the cheering. Like it was unreal. I walked out for my 200 breast final and it was just like, I got chills. It was so awesome. Like I haven't really experienced mm. anything like a home crowd cheering for you. It's just unreal. I love that. And yeah, like you said, we got a gold medal in that four by one medley relay technically like i'm commonwealth champion but like i swam the heat so i didn't get to swim in the final but again like watching that final was like chilling because everyone because i think we we just won like we only just swam them down like maybe 0.0 something is what we won by we swam down um england again kyle last leg swimming down and are you on pool deck once yeah. you've swum the heap but you're not swimming the final where do you stand in terms of like where where are you guys so we were standing on the so you, yeah at the gold coast pool they had like the upper stands where all the spectators were and then we had like these lower stands where the athletes sat and we were there and i, I was standing with um brad woodward because he'd swum the heat as well. And we were just like yeah. holding on to each other. Like, holy crap, yeah. we're, we're going we're gonna to have a medal. We're going to have a gold medal. We were, like, yeah. I think I might have been nine. We might have been both 19 at the time. So quite young. And we were just like so excited to just be a part of the team. Like, I think that was Brad's first team ever. Wow. I might be, I might be wrong there. But um, yeah, we were just like stoked, like watching these guys and, Again, Kyle come in clutch and out touch the um, English team, win us, and we got a gold medal. We got that presented to us, maybe two days after, at like this team function we had afterwards. So, so just so I understand, when you swim the heat, yeah. So because you played a role in winning that medal because yeah. you swam the heat to put them there, but they're actually allowed to swim a different team for the final. You can have that's so interesting. A whole different team. So, which is what we did. We had four completely different swimmers, 
and then swapped them all out for the final. Wow. And then those final swimmers stand up on the podium to get the medal. Yep. But you win the medal, but you don't get it on the podium. Correct. Yeah. So we, we got our medals. So the team that swam the final presented us our medals at like just a function, like nothing official. We just um, had like a like a team, I think it was a lunch maybe. It was six years ago now, five years ago. But yeah, so I had Jake Packard, who was a breaststroker on that relay. He presented me my gold medal. I was just like, thanks, bro. That's that's awesome. Thanks. That's awesome. Nice. But yeah, they were, they were awesome medals as well. Really. Do they do the Olympics as well? Yeah, it's same thing. Every every champion. So world champs, Olympics, Commonwealth Games. Any, any swimmer meet where there's a relay and there's a heats to that relay, you can just put four different swimmers in if you really want. At the Olympics, do they do the whole team up on the podium or do they nah, get it later as well they get it later as well so the team manager just gets given extra olympic medals yeah and we are generally at the end of the meet they they get all those medals and then like we have a meeting usually at the end of the meet and those medals are then given out like they present the relay the final swimmers from the relay given to the heat swimmers of the relay mm. so it's just a nice little personal thing we do as a team um after the whole conclusion of the meet we just like do the little presentation which just to acknowledge like you know the swimmers got them into the final and like at a world champs or olympic games like that's no easy feat like the heat swimmers still have to be like on their game they have to be swimming at their best to make that final because it's so competitive like especially in like the medley relays and stuff for us like the men's one as well if one swimmer is off like you miss a final which is what happened in 2017 with us um actually none of us swam particularly well in that heat but we came ninth and we missed the final and we were just like torn to shreds by you know media and stuff like that because it's also a, a pressure that you're just given to make the final mm. for those swimmers as well. Yeah, and if you mess up and you, you know, not really cost you, because it's a team, it's a team relay, like not the one person costing them a spot. I feel like it's a team effort. But like if you yourself, you know, you don't have the best swim and you feel like you've you've messed it up and you don't make that final, like that the other people don't get to swim like they're they're done like they don't get a relay at that night wow so if they'd been flown over to race that event and you yeah. guys didn't make the final would they just that would prepared? be worst case scenario but generally if you're flown over for just a relay you swim in the morning but like hypothetically if you were flown over for just a relay but say for the night and wow. then you don't make a final like that person doesn't get a swim or meet yep like, then that would just be worst case scenario. And it is like, there's so many different kinds of pressure when it comes to performance, even when there's a very hard challenge at hand, but you're just expected to overcome it. Mm. So that final team can swim. Like that is still a huge pressure. Yeah. Because you're just expected to perform. Yeah, you're pre- not even pressure everywhere. Yeah, pressure like, everywhere. Like, can't can't hide from it, which is again the beauty of sport. Like there's always something going on. Yeah. Like, you gotta 
always be on your game. That's Can't drop for a second. Yeah, that's what I love about the diving and, and the swimming and the sports mm. are there's no bit of height. Yeah, especially like, for you guys, like you over-rotate or something just a little bit and that's like such a big points deduction where like we, you know, you miss a turn and that's like 0.3 of a second and that's in swimming is massive. Like all those like little technical things, like you mm. mess up in the moment and you could be done. Yeah. And m- not, not most of the time you've done the training and it's just like mm. staying in that mental position where you're optimal for performance and sometimes it's easy to get into sometimes it's really hard to get into yeah and like if you just train it's hard to to simulate like kind of that that situation so we do like a lot of racing throughout the year to kind of simulate as best we can obviously you know a state champs isn't going to be the same pressure as a olympic final (laughs) but you you try and simulate like that that mindset and that kind of situation as best you can so when you do get to like an olympic final that you're best prepared as you can and that whatever comes your way you're kind of prepared for it so like that's what we do we do a lot of that throughout the year in terms of like visualization and uh, race practice we visualization because we're diving we have well the way i try to think about diving is i have a mental pattern for a dive and i can visualize the dive and know how it feels and what it should look like and then when i get up there i somewhat have a mental version of exactly what i'm gonna do mm. with swimming what does that visualization look like yes <laughs> it looks pretty funny for us we uh what what i do what our group does is probably like a month month or two before we actually go into a major competition we will kind of just all go into a room, cover our eyes, and we just lie there. And our coach, Adam, he will talk us through a scenario where we're at, say we're at Adelaide Pool, we're in the marshalling area, we're sitting around and we walk out, we do a little walk out, and then we visualize our race and he times us. And, you know, we just visualize, like I'll visualize a 200 breaststroke. And I'll put my hand up when I finish the race in my head and it'll give me a time. And leading into world champs in 2019, when I equaled the world record, I was getting bang on times from my visualization. Whereas like early on, you go like, say my PB is a 206. And early on, he'll be like, oh, you went a 252, which is just so far off what I would actually do in a race. But before World Champs, I was going like 206, 206, 206, like every time I visualized. Wow. Uh, and again, I was like, damn, that's kind of freaky. Like yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm on, like I've got this whole race plan in my head and I'm going to execute it in two weeks. So yeah, that's how we do it generally. And we just kind of, yeah, simulate that that walk out and then the feel and how like how high your stroke rate is. So like how fast your arms are spinning essentially. So it's just like all those little things when we just lie there. And that feeling when you make a plan, you visualize and you achieve that goal mm-hmm. like you did when you broke the world re- record. Yeah. Right. That's an incredible feeling. Yeah. Uh, that's gotta be good. Yeah. That was, uh, that was pretty awesome. Like, 
that feeling when I equal that world record. I I didn't think I was going as fast as I was. I was going to switch off with 50 to go. But then I heard the crowd cheering and I knew that so the world the, the world record holder at the time was in lane 2, Ipe Watanabe. And I turned at 150 and I saw him and he wasn't too far behind me. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And I heard the crowd cheering, so I was like, Alright, he's catching me. I need to I need to keep going. I need to just keep doing what I'm doing. And in the end, I, I realized that he had switched off and I was actually, the world record line was um, at my hands and that's why they were cheering. So, I can put it down to the South Korean crowd why I, <laughs> why I kept going as fast as I did. And I remember about five meters out. Again, this is visualization. We had like visualized scenarios where I would be short on the wall or long on the wall. And if I could make... And the, that's with your hand reach? Yeah, yeah. So, like, when you finish, you can... You do a stroke and you finish on the wall like this. Not ideal. Or if you're, like, long and you're gliding through also. Not ideal. So, we visualize making a change in your stroke about 5, 10 meters out. So, that you can get on a full stroke on the wall. And that's just and, the fastest, most efficient way to hit it? Yeah, yeah. Yep. That's the best way. Like, if you can hit it on a full stroke without, like, undulating or being, like, tucked up like that. Like, that's the best way to finish. And I remember about 10 meters out, I knew I was going to be short on the wall. So, I was like, all right, here's the adjustment. I've, I've visualized this adjustment before. And I made that change. And I reckon if I didn't make that change, I wouldn't have got that equal or record. Like, I would have been really short on the wall. So, I did like a bit of a quicker two-stroke and then I was back on. And then when you hit that wall... Was the visualization so precise that it was kind of like you'd been in the moment before? Yeah. Like I, you know, you'd kind of dream of, you know, having world records and winning gold medals and stuff like that. But seeing the time up there, it was like spot on with the visualization that I'd seen, mm. like turning around and seeing a time, like a 206. That was the first time I'd been 206. What was your PB before that? I went 207.3. At like the trials five weeks before, so the whole weeks. second. Uh, yeah, it was about faster. it was nearly a second, and I in the morning I went pretty easy. I went two hundred seven four, and I was like, "All right, we're going two hundred six tonight. Yeah. Like I, I've got this." 
but yeah like turning around and seeing that it was like like i visualized this whole thing and you <laughs> then you get to it and you're like what do i do now like i just kind of mm. sat there and i like pumped my fist and i was like should I should I celebrate more? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it was a semi-final, so I still had to do that again in the final. And I knew uh Russian swimmer, his name was Anton Chupkov, that he he went two oh six nine in the semi-final. I saw the I was the second semi-final, he was the first one, so I saw his time and I was like, I'm gonna beat that. Yep. But I knew he was he had a lot more to give, which he did. He ended up breaking that world record again by 0.4.5 or something wow and i was just like yeah like there's still a job to do because anton's gonna lift in this final and i gotta be best prepared i can to either try and beat him or get close to him or whatever like try and get that medal like just to get a medal was incredibly fast because again ipe the former world record holder he, I get he switched off, and I. When you say switched that. off, uh, what what does that mean for swimmer? Just taking it easy, I guess. Okay, like, so like mentally they've given up. Uh, not giving up, like kind of conserving energy for, for another race they might. Yeah, have. yeah. So because the semi final, we had the race the next day. Like going full flat stick in a two hundred breaststroke takes a lot out of you. Like yep. if you had to race again the next morning you'd feel a bit sluggish. So he's kind of just stuck near me for 150 meters. And then with 50 to go, he's kind of gliding and getting that feel instead of, you know, rating up and getting all that lactic acid in your muscles. And so he's a bit fresher after that race because he's gone a bit easier with 50 to go. You know, it doesn't sound like much, 50 meters of a 200 meter race, like to switch off there, but it, it helps. Sometimes, if you do it right, like sometimes you can mess it up and people go past you and you get a final. That's got to be a fine line between conserving enough to make it through Mm. and not making it through because you didn't push hard enough. Yeah. So, generally, like at a Oz Champs, I'll just do 125, get that feel, and then I'll just kind of glide through depending on where I am in the race. And you know, because how do you, can you, do you know where everyone is? Uh, Yeah. on, On turns. And stuff you can see people like I turn and I face uh, to the right. Yeah. So I get two turns. I get one facing one way, one facing the other way. I can kind of see where people are. And if people are like close to you, like the lane next to you, you can kind of like sense where they are. Like you can feel that they're swimming right on top of you. But being a breaststroker, I don't get to look left and right constantly. I'm looking straight ahead. So you only get to see them on that turn. So it's a risk. Like you you switch off and someone's actually close to you, but you haven't seen them and they go past you. And like that can be the difference between making a final and not making a final. But I generally would only do it if I'm like very comfortably ahead. Yep. Like I have to be well and truly ahead to be like, all right, time for me to just ease off a bit. And it's more of a strategic move to save energy, to be more efficient yeah across all races or prepare for that final yeah so i would do it between a heat and a semi-final because they're on the same day and you get a few hours in between each of those races whereas like a semi-final to a final was a whole 24 hours Mm. 
like I don't see much of a point in you know completely switching off because you got a whole 24 hours to rest like it's a lot of time you you should be fresh if you tapered well and yeah like and you recover well like it should be fine you don't need to switch off what about because i know when we're when i travel with the team for diving it's good to also go out and do things to take your mind off it to be able to relax and mm. also enjoy the travels of yeah. just being able to see a little bit but most of it you're resting in your room preparing eating well getting ready to compete yeah how do you find that balance when you're away like sightseeing or having a look around and resting properly without burning yourself out yeah so generally if like you said before we usually swim at like a games the first week so i can do sightseeing after after yeah which is like perfect for us um in between you know while i'm racing like in between a heat and a final you've got like six to eight hours generally before you got to like be there again so that's a fair bit of time and you don't want to be you know spending hours trying to think about this race because you just burn yourself out that's all your energy gone so i like play on my switch and stuff okay yeah you know like um i was playing what was i playing oh it's like a, a new marvel game that had just come out on the switch at world champs and i was just playing that and that took up all my time like all of a sudden i was like oh crap i gotta go in an hour like i gotta do all this and then obviously like you nap and you yeah. you eat and stuff like that and that ch- takes up more chunks of the day as well and it's just having kind of that like a that routine and b the distraction that kind of gets you best prepared to like you know swim again later on in the day and be most relaxed as possible because you're not stressing about oh, did i eat enough did i yeah eat too late did i eat too early or stressing about what if this person swims like this or what if i do this in the race you're not kind of thinking about that you've got something else like for me it's gaming like that's the easiest or, yeah. or watching other sport because i find like you ride that that mindset when you come away especially for diving too after a prelim you normally have your semi later and then yeah. the finals the next day yeah and when you go home, you got to eat, uh, get back there, like mm. shower, whatever. And then you got a few hours to chill. And yeah, I like to edit like my yeah. videos to take my mind off things. Yeah, and- so it's like those those things, whatever you like, enjoy doing, do that. Yeah. Like get away from the racing or the, the diving or any competition. You just take your mind away from it. Get, you, get out of your own head, I guess, is the best way to describe it. And just like shut off conserve that energy you need those ways to just check out a bit because you're right if you just focus on what you need to do because you're not there and you can't do it it's easy for that to go wrong and think Mm. about all the challenges yeah and i like i've been stuck doing this as well before like where you you sit in your room and you're just like oh visualizing your race and you're thinking, what what could I do here? What what happens if I do this? And you just keep thinking about that, and you get nervous, and you you burnt like you, you're buggered by the time you get back in the night, and you're like, I could I could use a sleep right now, and you just like, and that's that that's it really, like <laughs> it stuffs you around. Yeah, but yeah, like having that distraction, I think is just like so vital. So to- rest is also productive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, rest is 
so important in the whole grand scheme of things like being well rested and not wasting energy when it doesn't need to be wasted like that that's the way that like i think i i did perfectly at world champs that year and i've done it before like i've done it pretty well before but like i've never had it so perfect when i was at like everything went right at world champs that year yeah yeah it was awesome (laughs) when it all comes together it's all it's all worth it yeah when it clicks it's just so satisfying Mm. like everything that you've practiced or put into place and then it works and you get the results it's just yeah it, it makes the training and all the all the investments that you put in worth it yeah 100% I feel like a lot of people think the swimming and diving although we're both in the pool I feel like we don't see each other as much as you think <laughs> no we, we run into each other at the yeah. gym on a Saturday morning yeah. and then <laughs> yeah. otherwise you're down the far end diving and I'm at the other pool doing my laps looking at the black line yeah we don't cross paths like heaps like I'll, I'll say hey to you from yeah. across you know if i'm swimming in the the diving pool like i'll just say hey to you and then i'm i'm off doing my my sessions and you're off doing your your dives and stuff sense yeah we're, we're straight into work because there's so many questions I, I had about swimming although people may assume that because i'm a diver I'd, I'd know a lot about it yeah. i feel like I, I don't yeah i mean same goes for me i don't really know too much about diving. <laughs> i know you do really cool flips and stuff and you get a score or you just send it yeah just send it send it off the 10 yeah <laughs> it is nice though seeing everyone come together at those big events like the commies and the world champs mm. yeah it is like you know there's so many different athletes out there and they all have different paths to get to where they were i remember just like chatting to um, like the netballers at the com games like trying to figure out like how their whole thing works I was talking to um, Kira Austin she plays for the Diamonds she plays for the um, the Vixens and we just had like a chat she was asking me about swimming and stuff like that and and like you know they're basic things for me but for a netballer they have no idea what mm. like the swimming heats semis finals and all that stuff are and I have no idea how you know, like the netball, the pools and stuff like that work, how they progress to the quarterfinals, semifinal, all that stuff. And like what they do with team selection and stuff like that. Like I was just like kind of asking these questions that would be so simple for her. And she was asking questions that would be like so simple for me, but like we don't get each other's sports. Like we cross each other's paths once every four years. So yeah, I get to take an interest in watching netball every now and then, but or like other sports like I watch diving but I don't fully understand it yeah and I think that like those you know Olympic games and Commonwealth games where we can mingle and we can learn off each other it's just so cool it's so much fun as well yeah it's a like, lot of fun you see some of the best athletes and we're all just roaming around doing their thing yeah I remember at the Olympics when I was walking to the dining hall and I, I'm an NBA fan Yep. I love my sport. I just love sport altogether. But I was walking around and I saw uh, Kevin Durant and I was like, oh, oh my God. I yeah. was like, that's KD. <laughs> you get and, a photo? No, oh, I missed it because he was eating at the time, but he came out and was around like the Australian building and Kyle, again, he got a photo with him and a couple of the other boys and I was like, 
no you really missed, won't. Oh, missed opportunity but yeah like you know you see those guys as well like i saw what was it, kd um rudy gobert who played who was at the time playing for the jazz and i was just like this is so cool yeah. like these at like these are so cool these athletes even like we saw the um we sat down with the matildas or some of them at the dining hall because they were off in a different part of the village for most of the time i think but they had come in for this little bit and like we were just having like a chat with them it was, like, it was just really cool to like you know you see these guys on tv guys and girls on tv and yeah like, then you see them in person you just like have a chat to them like just an everyday chat yeah them. that's something I, f- I find really interesting about the villages like these people who are incredible uh, mm. by all rights but then you just round the village and they're just like your every gay everyday dude yeah they're or, just or chick and you, just have you a chat. and you forget that like we put these people up on like a pedestal mm. for or, like all year round but then you see them in person you're like oh, just like an everyday guy like they're, they're happy to have a chat with you as well yeah. they're not they're just like for the most us. part they're not like they're not up themselves or they're not trying to mm. avoid having a talk to you or take photos with you they they're more than happy to talk to you and they they will ask questions as well like a lot of the time they're like they're interested in what you do as well and you're like, like for me it's like why do you care about swimming yeah. Like, yeah. why? Why would you want to know about me swimming laps? Like, I want to talk about like your your soccer or your basketball or whatever mm. or your football. But yeah, like they're just like everyday people, really. Because even I remember running into Cody Simpson for the first time. And I, I yeah. know you swim, so you probably see him a fair bit. Yeah, yeah. And I, I didn't. I know of his stuff, mm. um, not extremely well. But when I met him, I was still like pretty excited. I was like, oh, that's sick. And it was just. Mm. Literally just downstairs outside the dorm where I was staying. Yeah, I think Cody is actually like such a good example of what I was just saying that like these people are like so happy to have a chat with you mm-hmm. and they're just kind of like everyday people. Like they, you know, they do amazing things, but again, they're just so down to earth. And Cody is just that guy. Like he is one of the nicest guys I've ever met. And which, like, I'd, I met Cody, what? 2021 at olympic trials like after that and he was just saying like oh it was so cool to see what you did like making the team uh like really impressed and i was saying like how cool like he going from singing to swimming and we just had like chat about that like i was like damn that was like really nice like he's yeah. just so down to earth it was awesome like so yeah he was just like a great example of what i was just saying before like just so so eager to have a chat with anyone that's something i realized being in elite sport most people although they're humbly confident and really believe in their own skills yeah most people i know are not arrogant or rude or or mean most of them are everyday yeah people that just do their thing yeah it's very hard to come especially in like our sports where there's not you know there's not a huge media presence putting us on a massive pedestal that we don't get those big egos and like we don't bite (laughs) we're more than happy to have a chat to whoever like a lot of young kids you know they get nervous because they see an olympian olympic diver olympic swimmer but really we're not gonna we're not gonna bite like i said like pretty chill yeah that's something i feel like some people are honestly shocked about 
Mm. Like, I feel like that's something most people are yeah. surprised when they just come up and change. Like, just chill every day. But that's yeah. how people that we are inspired by treat us as well. Yeah, like I growing up, like you had those people. Like I remember meeting um, Jeff Hugel. He was a Commonwealth champion, butterflyer, went to an Olympics. He might have gone to two Olympics actually. I remember meeting him when I was 10 at, oh, where was it? Out of Blacktown at a swimming carnival. And he was just so happy to have a chat about my swimming. And, like, you know, leading up to that, I would have been so nervous, being like, I can't talk to him. He's not going to want to talk to me. Like, I, I, I can't approach him. And then after a bit of encouragement, you, get, you go up and they're just so happy. And, like, that's a memory that stuck with me for, like, what was I? I was 10 or so, so 14 years. And now we can do that for like younger kids coming mm. up now. So that's what, like, I'll never just like, you know, try and walk away or get out of a conversation. Like, I'll happily sit there and like, that's a memory for these kids. And hopefully they, you know, hold on to that memory and they use it later on their in their lives. Yeah. Because yeah. I've felt the same. There's been people that, when I've met and they've given me the time of day and had a chat to me, it's made a really profound impact on me. And now mm. I'm fortunate enough with all my, my social media stuff and people come up and they want to talk and say hi. Like I remember how valuable it was to me when people treated me that way. And I think it's more than important to to pass that on. Yeah, like the memories and like they last a lifetime and that's like what we want to give back to these younger kids. Yeah. I think it's, super, it's like so important. And they, I feel like people then put yourself on a pedestal and even us, you're just in the grind, like chipping away, trying to strive for bigger goals and achieve that next thing. Yeah. Like you say, like put on a pedestal. Like I I don't think we're, you know, getting our egos inflated or anything by this stuff. It's just mm. like... I feel like my the- coach, your coaches keep you pretty humble too. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> I know your coach, and he definitely would, and my, my coach definitely does as well. Your coach is—he's a funny guy. Oh, they're they're, they're like good him. guys. Yeah, yeah, they're good they guys. Keep us in check. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I don't think well, he goes can ever get too big, really. And like these kids, they just look up to us for not the you know not the person like what we do in our sport. Like, yeah. Initially, initially, it's what we do in our sport, and then if we if they're ever lucky enough to like you know have a chat to someone like that they then see the person instead of the athlete and mm. then that's who they hold in such high regard and that's who they want to be they want to be this person who's you know great athlete but also a great person yeah and that's what you want for like kids you you want that yeah i feel like i've been fortunate enough to have great role models on that front as well yeah like being a good person is something I've seen in a lot of athletes that I looked up to, mm. like such good, genuine people. Yeah. And I think you've had, you've had um, Mel. Mel Wu, yeah. Yeah, Mel Wu. And she is, I think, like the epitome of that great athlete, being around for so many and mm. an even better person. Mm. And that's what you want for your athletes is, yeah, that's what I feel like is so important. You want to be as good a person, if not better than you are an athlete. Mm. Like it's just, I think that's just a non-negotiable. Yeah. What what shaped you outside swimming to to become that kind of person? Well, first off, my parents. Yeah. Yeah, mum and dad. Like, but mum as well. 
very much mum was <laughs> like mum mum <laughs> yeah, she was very much of like be a good sports person like sportsmanship is like the number one thing if you lose you don't throw a tantrum you congratulate the person who won like that's the first thing you do and she kind of drilled that in from a very young age and I've taken that with me for my whole life like I don't get sulky if I lose a race like sure be upset that you didn't perform well or whatever but go and congratulate the person who won like they mm. put in the work they deserve to win like they were the better person on the day like that it's that simple really and then you see like other sports people I Christian Springer is an idol of mine he's an um, Olympic silver medalist 100 breaststroke at 2012 and he is like again another example of like great swimmer even better person I remember I made my first team and before, actually the year before that I missed the Olympic team by a small margin and then the year after that he I made the team and he'd come up to me and was just like hey mate like that is unbelievable what you've done I don't even think he'd remember this but he's just like that's unbelievable what you've done here like congratulations um enjoy being an Australian dolphin and like I said he probably doesn't remember even saying coming down and saying that to me on pool deck but that's stuck with me since like this guy is just like my idol growing up he's just come down and just like said well done whatnot like you've been great yeah I just thought that was awesome but yeah, he he's a great guy. Getting to know him a bit more um, after that as well. Like, just such a good guy. And then outside of swimming, do you have anything that keeps you balanced, or is, is swimming pretty pretty heavy? <laughs> uh, swimming is swimming's pretty heavy in my life, but I do love watching like my other sport. Like, yeah, you love your other sport. I love my other sports like NBA, NFL. NFL seasons just come back, so you know, repping the the Green Bay Packers <laughs> right now. Um, not doing too well. Uh, like rugby league, big sharks fan. Okay, massive sharks. Fan. You know, a bit I just live in the sharks. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm from Penrith, but why the sharks? Ah, uh, my dad. I was so, put in a jersey from birth, so I didn't have much of a choice. <laughs> wasn't I, up for negotiation. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't up for negotiation. I would have been disowned if I <laughs> what if I went any other direction. But yeah, like big sharks fan, and head out to games when I can when the season's on like I like my AFL can't obviously head out to too many games or down in Melbourne yeah rugby league is the big one for me like I just love I just love the game of rugby league when I'm done swimming whenever that is I'll probably go play local league somewhere Mm -hmm. like I just love it that much I've said that about soccer like once I'm done diving yeah I probably just want to join a local soccer team with my mates yeah that's so I was playing uh, after um the olympics we kind of mixed it up a bit with like my training and i went and played like a five-a-side soccer with my mates and that was just so fun just so like talking so much crap (laughs) yeah it was like (laughs) just running around and just like having the best time with your friends like i went to school with so i drove back out to uh out to penrith to play five-a-side with my mates and that was so good and like that's what i want to do after swimming is stay you know active and in touch with your friends and you play all these whatever sport it is but yeah league for me is just like 
I just love the game so much. Yeah, because that, that's something I found over COVID. During lockdown, I found it really hard to train mm. because I wasn't diligent. Well, I wasn't accountable to my coaches. And yeah. I put on a little bit of weight and I didn't really love the way I looked. And when I came back to training, I quickly got back into shape because I was accountable. Yeah, you got those coaches top of it. just like mm. telling you what you need. And I'm nervous as to when I finish the diving, what I'm going to do to try and stay in shape. Like, I feel like joining my soccer team and maybe being accountable to like mm. a personal trainer or something might help me. But the accountability in training, I think, is so important. Yeah. And it's it's hard. It's a skill. Like to be accountable outside of like, you know, the training area. Mm. If you got to do like a gym session by yourself, like generally it's pretty easy because you've got your coach there. You got to turn up because your coach is there and then yes. you, you got your coach watching you. Yep. But if you're just doing it by yourself, it's like, I could, I, could just I, I could cut a set and no one would know except for you when you get in the pool and your results aren't as good. Yeah. But yeah, like it, it's a skill for sure. And when I was younger, like terrible at it, just like skip laps <laughs> and stuff like that. But now that I'm older, I'm a bit, bit more mature, only a little bit. <laughs> um, like I can, I, I see the benefit of like doing this stuff at home, especially over COVID. Like I had a, I was really lucky in my garage. I had like a, a gym set up where I like squat rack. I had a cable machine from at my parents' place and all this like free weights and stuff like that. So it was just like, actually I got the Watt bike as well. So I had to do spin sessions. You had the perfect setup. It was a great setup. Like I, I was really lucky and Adam, my coach, would send through like sessions to do, and you, like I, I didn't see him in person for God, was it like six months or something? Wow, I, so long ago. And he, so I had to be accountable and do all this stuff without him there to like mm. make sure that I'm not skipping or yep. that I'm doing it properly. So that was like tough, and that I think that's kind of built up my. Um, because that's where I really struggled when Mm. we were at home they sent through the program similar like we'd be on zoom calls yeah doing workouts and I found that really hard yeah it was like that whole period was like I think I had problems with my wi-fi and my not (laughs) (laughs) my coach wasn't having it I yeah I was with Tom at the time and he's great he he's he's a good person he understands me and I I struggled with that yeah, like it was like like I said, it was just such a tough time, like so unique. Like no one had gone through that before, mm. and like no one knew really how to properly approach it. So it was just kind of like a trial and error. We were winging and, it. Yeah, yeah, everyone was winging it. And I the think. Olympics were moved, so it was like a whole mental like, what's yeah. happening? Yeah, like now I've got to wait another year. Yeah, yeah and like that played out better for me though. I uh, did not play out better not for, for you. me. <laughs> no, I was uh. Oh, yeah, not not great because at the time, like I was in such a good form, like from 2019, but then my shoulder, I got thoracic outlet syndrome in my shoulder. So pretty much, if my arms above that? my yeah, my arms above my head, like that, the blood vessel and the nerve that go between my collarbone and my first rib, mm. they get pinched, and essentially, like I get pins and needles in my fingers there. Or I just lose feeling altogether. Like I, if you lost feeling in your arm, you're swimming detrimental. 
Yeah, well, I lo- I lost. I had no feeling in my left arm pretty much every time I trained. Like after however long, like a couple hundred meters. Did you get a rib removed? No, so that was an option, which is, you know, like it sounds like a major surgery. Like they just take the rib out and apparently it's a month or two recovery. Yeah. So it was, there was a couple options. There was, you know, go surgery, get my first rib removed. So the one up there, so there's a bigger gap for the blood vessel and the nerve to go through shave back the collarbone or I can wait because there's rehab involved with the surgeries and you know that might throw off my whole season and there's just not been a good time to do it really the third option was get Botox injections so it paralyzes the muscle that pulls down your collarbone so when I lift my arm, my collarbone's not going down and I can keep like the blood flow going through my arm and the nerves not getting pinched. So we, we do that now. So I get Botox every three to six months in there, just up under there. Does it make the muscle look better too? <laughs> Unfortunately not. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't look younger. <laughs> and it's not doing much for the receding hairline either. <laughs> no, like... Like it, and that helped like massively. I could actually, you know, do sessions without having to then just do kick for, you know, a couple K. Yeah. Like it, it helped get my swimming back to where I could be or like in, on the right track. So, yeah. Was that particular injury a major setback for your career? Yeah, I think so. Like I lost a lot of confidence because I just didn't know when my shoulder was going to blow up. Like after 2021, um, I just was like, so was so, so nervous about it. And like that was impacting my racing and, and my training. So, and like, it's still, like, it's still a thing, but I've got a lot more confidence behind it now. Yeah. The last couple months have been massive in improving that. Probably like six months ago, I would have been like, my shoulder's done. Like, I'm going to have to like, get surgery or like call it a day like it's that bad and it it flared up at like our trials in uh in melbourne this year so i was like this is ridiculous like i can't swim on this but now we've we've put in like a really strict like shoulder program so strengthen up the shoulder so it's not going to blow up there but also we, you know we've got this whole system with the botox and stuff like that where I'm, I'm confident that when I go overseas and race now, it's not going to be an issue. Mm. So I feel like that will help with my racing and help with my training. Like my training has already been leaps and bounds ahead of where I've been the last two years, essentially. Like the last two years have been hampered with this crap. So yep. it's not hard to get better, but like, yeah, like I'm already ahead of where I was this time you know 2022 and 2020 like mid 2023 so with the racing coming up at the end of this year we'll see where i'm at to start with and then i'll be confident in my shoulder that it's not going to be an issue which is great injuries are like that it's not just oh it hurts today and then oh it's bad and then Mm. it doesn't hurt today not going to worry about it because when you're flown out of the country to represent australia you've been training really hard Mm. And you know there's a chance it could flare up because I've had issues with my lower back before. Yeah. 
And that just reduces the confidence because it's like, well, what if it does flare up and I can't compete? When it does flare up a little bit, it affects my training. Like, what if I've been here and can't perform the way I need to? Like, yeah. it's stressful. It's always like kind of in the back of your mind, especially if it's not like fully healed or like mm-hmm. it's a lingering issue. Like, and and that plays on your confidence as well. Like, you know, in 2019, I had none of this stuff and I was no external thoughts about like injuries or whatever. So I could just go in and do my thing. The last few years I've had like this little voice in the back year, like what if this flares up? We're pretty lucky in the fact that we've got two physios and two massage staff with us at all times yep. on, on teams. Uh, we're not sure. And, and a doc as well. We're not sure. Dude, the docs are great. <laughs> Having like, a doc Lifesavers. <laughs> lifesavers. But yeah, like we, we're super lucky in that fact that we have all this support stuff that can help if needed. But again, like, you know, you don't want to be feeling sore. And like, you know, on the thought of an injury while you're about to try and be the best in the world, yep. you know, like you want to get all that stuff sorted beforehand. That team is so important. I feel like our physio is also like a mental health staff. Like I always yeah. talk to my physio about- They're like, just like a little chat outlet. Yeah. Like, yeah. They always keep like for a chat. The physical body in check. And the doctors are so important because I remember even just at the recent world champs, the mm. most random things come up. Like my synchro partner at the time, Shishing, he snores and I yeah. was having trouble sleeping. So I was sleeping with my AirPods in. And because I did that for two, two, three weeks, mm. it yeah. like got a mad infection on the inside of my oh. ear canals. So it wasn't an inner ear infection because inner ear infections affect your balance. Your balance. So we don't know where we yeah. are in the end, which is really dangerous, but it was an outer ear because I wasn't allowing them to drain during the night. Oh. And my ears got so painful. I like, couldn't yeah. even dive just because it hurt so yeah, much. Yeah, because you got to put your arms up against your ears mm. and stuff. Oh, yikes. And I went to the doc and she like was able to diagnose me. She was the open water swimming doc. Oh, so yeah, yeah. They would have had... They, if they swam through some manky stuff and got some ear issues... Yeah, like, uh, they... Yeah, swim through gross water. Yeah. Open water's not for me. She was like <laughs> the best person to have there. She gave me these eardrops, which which fixed it. But small things like that, you can't even anticipate coming up. Like, yeah. The doctors are, are golden. Yeah, for sure. And like back on to like real quick, like every like people working here, like they don't have docs and physios and standby. We've got yeah. like this whole support network right there whenever we want. And that's just like, you sometimes just take that for granted. And like you forget about like that's not normal. Yeah. And you just like <laughs> take a second to think about it, like, damn, I'm lucky. Like I'm yeah, really I'm lucky. So grateful to have yeah. a good team. Yeah, it's great. After us. <laughs> For sure they do. Like so well. Such a good team. But yeah, that, that team around you is so important. And I rely on them a lot more without even realizing. Like even when we <laughs> go away and I get a bit sick or something. Yeah. And they look after me. And sometimes after a competition, I'll be going off traveling by myself. Yeah. I get like mildly nervous. I don't have a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what if I get sick? Well, who's going to give me the the tablets to make me feel better? Yeah. Who's going to have all the antibiotics on standby? I'm honestly like on the table every couple of days, just like, you know, getting a bit older. I need all this stuff to kind of keep my body perfect for training and for racing. Mm. But like, I just like, 
I love the treatment and stuff. It just makes me feel so good. <laughs> it's nice. I just, we have masseuses come into training a few times a week and you just finish a really hard session, dry off, jump on the table and get a massage. Yeah. Especially like a Friday. Oh, there's like It's a good feeling, on. eh? Massage. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I say I'm like on a Friday after the morning session and I've got nothing else in the Arvo except for massage. And I'm just like, oh, this is perfect. <laughs> That'd be even better. Normally Friday is a tricky session for me. So yeah. I come in stressed do my hard dives and then I can just relax. It gives me a good, a good push into the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a great, like it's a good little push to the weekend. Like, cause we have a, on a Saturday morning, we do like a really hard session generally. So having that massage and like stuff like that, it just mm. makes it feel so good leading into that final Saturday grind. Mm. And before we wrap it up, who, who do you look up to the most? Who's, in, who's inspired you over the years? Yeah, uh, I mean, outside of swimming, like my parents, obviously, the way that, you know, they used to drive me an hour to and then an hour from training from the Blue Mounds. If, like, again, if anyone listening knows where Blue Mounds is to Homebush, it's not close. Yeah, It's 60K one way. So some days they were driving me like 240 plus Ks to and from training. And they made sacrifices um so i could be the best athlete that like i could be and like i'll forever be grateful for that even even my sister like she would had to get up early in the morning and jump in the car with them and you know like mum was picking me up from i don't know if you know the the m4 the twin servos on the m4 yeah she was picking me up from there with my sister at 7 seven thirty. so she had to get up early as well and then drive me to to Wimberley High, which is I don't know probably fifty five minutes an hour away from Sopak. So you know, like they're they're I'm forever grateful for what they did, and they're like I idolise what they did, and like how much dedication they had to me and my sister um, growing up, and even like now as well. Like they're so supportive of everything I do um, in the pool. I always looked up to um, Christian Springer and Brenton Christian Springer a lot, like because I, you know, I met the guy now a couple times, and he's just such a cool guy. And just like the way he kind of like he swum breaststroke, like it was awesome in Australia. Um, Brenton Rickard was another breaststroke, same kind of time period as Christian, and they had head-to-head battles pretty much every year at like Oz Champs and stuff like that. It was just those two. And like I really wanted to be in something like that, yeah. And I kind of am now. I was a couple of years ago when I was swimming at my best with Zach, who's you know Olympic champion two hundred breaststroke. Mm. We've been back and forward in that two hundred. He's now swimming incredibly fast, and I'm kind of hoping to get back to that, like back to where I was, so we can have those battles again. But yeah, like Christian. And Brenton, that like growing up, that was like why I want to be a breaststroker and what I want to be a part of, like that Swimming Australia team yeah. and having those battles with, you know, your country mates and then doing it again on the world stage. Like I thought that was really cool. And where do you see yourself after swimming? <sighs> Good question. Well, what's, what's, Matt, what's Matt Wilson doing after swimming? I don't know. I think he would like to still be involved with sport somehow. 
it's been my passion since I was just an itty bitty little kid. So I I don't know what that looks like, and like I still don't know like what I want to do post swimming. Like still trying to figure that out. That that's something I'm still thinking about. Um, but yes, yeah, being involved with sport somehow, whatever sport it is, would be awesome. Um, I just don't know what that looks like yet. Yeah. And figure it out as you go. Yeah. I also like um, my real estate and stuff like that. Like that's... Okay. I find that quite interesting. You know, just like, you know, the changes in property value and, you know, finding houses where they might be undervalued in the area and you can make improvements on... Which is what I did with my house. I found a house which is probably 300 or 400. Did you buy your house? No, well, my parents bought it with my money. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a whole complex thing because, you know, we can't get loans because our yes. contracts are based off how we perform. So yeah. if we perform poorly one year, then we don't make as much money. And yeah, it's all, it's a whole thing with the bank. But anyway, like we bought a house about maybe 400k under value wow yeah and it, it was kind of like walking in your grandma's house though like it was it needed a lot of love and a lot of work and i'm very very lucky that my dad is incredibly handy so he did almost the whole house himself apart from a couple of things like the kitchen so we just did that up and you know eventually we'll sell and they'll sell for like i don't know close to double the price that yeah. we bought it for so that I, I just find like that stuff like finding gems in like in the rough is just really cool yeah. uh, i don't know something in real estate maybe i, I, I quite like because my, my dad's a my dad's a builder mm. and i've always found interested in real estate as well yeah and even this place was slightly undervalued yeah yeah when we look when i looked at it and I feel like that's something I might want to do outside of diving eventually. Yeah. As well. I find that. I just find interesting. it interesting. Like just like listening to like, you know, the fluctuating prices and stuff like that. And, you know, how each area is different and what, you know, again, like finding diamonds in the rough is mm. like something I find really cool. And even when you go into somewhere that's super run down, but you can see what you could do to it's got potential like, yeah yeah like you know it's a lot of work and to be fair my dad did almost everything i did next to nothing i i found the place and was like what about this and he's like all right i can do this this and this <laughs> and then mum was like let's make it look like this and this and i sat there and i said that looks great awesome. <laughs> like you do that but like i just yeah like finding the stuff that has potential to be mm. like gold is i just i Fun just have like a fascination with it like it's yeah. so cool any other field or, or only real estate at the moment with that uh, only real estate really with that stuff like i'd love to be able to do like a trade or something but like i don't think i'm made out for that stuff like <laughs> i heard carl's on the tools yeah carl's loving the tools at the moment he's not he, he admits he's not the best trader going around but he's learning <laughs> He's learning. It's good. It's good to have something like yeah. that outside. He's got his. Maybe you, know, you need next to fix step. your or You can fly. Him yeah, I'll fly. Him. It'll be an expensive <laughs> trip for him to to come fix up something. Yeah. Maybe when his work comes to the the top of the range. Yeah, when he's when he's uh 
improved. <laughs> I'll get him in. He improves on the tools. Maybe, maybe if he's doing yours, he can come around to my place and fix a few things Don't, up we'll, we'll hire him out. <laughs> yeah. We'll get him for a few days. We'll oh, find a place he can fix him up. Love that. <laughs> Love that idea. So yeah, good. thanks for coming on. Mate, no worries. Thanks for having me. It's been great. And, and Matt, where can, where can people find you on socials? Yeah, so mainly on Instagram at, at Matt underscore Wilson 28 is my handle. Um, that's generally the only one I use. Yeah. I, I don't use Facebook or I use Twitter a little bit, actually. Not too much. Mainly Instagram. Instagram. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's my go-to. And one of the followers there. my mutual following i support the journey yeah (laughs) yeah thanks for coming on no worries thank you for having me no i appreciate it this is uh the diving deep with sam fricker and i hope you guys can tune in we got some exciting people coming up and dm me on instagram with anyone you'd love to see come on the podcast and we'll do our best to get them on Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 